craft beer radio coverage of the GABF Beer and Food Pavilion. While at the Great American Beer Festival, we recorded the sessions that were held at the Food and Beer Pavilion. This session is Cooking with Beer with Chef Teddy Folkman, Granville Moore's Gastropub, and Stephen Cardello from Brewery Omegang. Carolyn Smogalski explains everything in the introduction, so I won't repeat it here. Good evening. I'm Carolyn Smogalski, the Beer Fox, the editor and writer at Beer and Brewing at Bella Online, the voice of women on the internet, and the international beer writer for Beer Connoisseur magazine. I want to thank you all for being here, coming in to rest your tired feet, to learn all kinds of trips, tips and trade secrets from the experts. Everyone loves a star, and our next guest found stardom on the Food Network. <laughs> as, as co-owner and executive chef of Granville Moore's Gastropub in Washington, D.C., he seems to have a love affair going with Belgian cuisine and upscale bar food and has expanded his ideas to include upscale Mexican fare at H Street Country Club. For the last seven years, he's volunteered his expertise in food and cooking to benefit Brain Food, a nonprofit youth development program for at risk high school students. His classes stick to the basics. Filleting fish, how to properly butcher a chicken, knife skills, sanitation, food safety. And he's been motivating force in helping kids move toward careers in the kitchen. His popularity is so widespread that the waiting list for his brain food classes is 100 deep. He's here today to demo his incredible Moules Fromage Blue the dish he defeated Bobby Flay with on the Food Network's Throwdown with Bobby Flay. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Food Network chef Teddy Folkman. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Are we getting a little lucid? All righty. Thank you very much. Actually, let's uh, pass this on. Before I get started, we're going to introduce Phil. Chef Teddy's creation achieves distinctive delicacy with the addition of Hook's Blue Cheese, and the amazing Omegon Hennepin, brewed by Phil Leinart at Brewery Omegon in Cooperstown, New York. He's here here tonight to add his expertise to the mix, and I want you to know that he is one of only two brewers that holds the distinction of being a member of the Le Chevalier Fourquette de Brissure, it's the knighthood of the brewer's mass shaft. And this is in Belgium. It's only given to people who are way up there and dedicated to defending Belgian beer. I want to give to you Phil Leinert. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Cheers. All right. right, We ready to get started? Yeah, go ahead. All right. You guys ready to eat and talk about food and talk about beer? All right. Okay, so the dish, the Moule Fromage Blue, a little background behind it. Uh, My girlfriend and I were actually at a pub uh, right by my house. I was eating a blue cheeseburger with bacon, and I was drinking a a Belgian white beer, and they gave me a lemon for the beer. And I was like, why? Come on. Uh, But in actually tasting all those ingredients together, I turned to my girlfriend, and I'm like, you know what? 
I think this could actually work as a muscle dish. Uh, she she mocked me, but after a little bit of uh, a little bit of time, she agreed, and now it's I guess my signature dish. Um, the main purpose of this dish, though, is to balance all these ingredients. Uh, just like a brewer definitely balances their beers, making sure that the malt and the hops are all balanced, I try and do the same thing with my food and also incorporate beer into it. Uh, so a couple choice ingredients, like Carol was telling before, uh, I use Hook's Blue Cheese. It's uh, a blue cheese you guys have probably never, or maybe hopefully have had before. Very creamy, mild, it's not overwhelming. Uh, it's, gonna be, it's a great cheese. A lot of people say that you got to have a real hoppy beer to cut through blue cheese. We're here today to prove them wrong. The farmhouse saison would take care of that instantaneously. Uh, we also used applewood smoked bacon, and the absolute star of this dish is our Prince Edward Island mussels. Uh, they were harvested for us on Tuesday, shipped, uh, uh, bagged Wednesday, got here Thursday, and now I'm serving them to you today. Uh, most grocery stores and restaurants don't get their mussels in. They're usually a week old when they get them in. These are as fresh as you can get them. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to get started, get the fires lit, and uh, hopefully start feeding you on a little bit. Everybody hungry and thirsty? All right. What? All right. All right. The first thing we're going to add to this dish is uh, one of my favorite food groups, bacon. Uh, and what I did was I already blanched the bacon a little bit. Blanching basically means to partially cook it. And while I did this, it rendered off some of the bacon fat. You guys can see that. Little, I can show you just woo. Uh, but the reason why we did this was we don't want the bacon to overwhelm any part of this dish. We wanted to add a little bit of a, a salt and a smokiness. So we'll start out with just a little bit, not too much, bacon. <laughs> and while these pans get hot, the, uh, the fat from the bacon is actually going to start melting off. And uh, it's going to be a big component of this dish. It's actually going to add itself into the sauce, marry all these ingredients together. So these little, the, uh, the burners over here, it might take a little bit longer. So uh, while we're going to be rendering this bacon, I'm going to pass it on to Phil a little bit to talk about the Hennepin beer. So who here has had uh, Hennepin before? Okay, Hennepin was uh, Brewery Omegang's second beer after the flagship Abbey Ale. Uh, it's a rustic farmhouse Saison style. Has anybody here been to Brewery Omegang? Nice. And if those have been there, you can attest that it is, in fact, a farmhouse brewery. It's, uh, the architecture is modeled after the farmhouse breweries in Belgium. We're in the middle of fields. It used to be actually a hop farm uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, but Hennepin, although it's not... As Teddy said, it's not a very bitter beer. It is the hoppiest of our beers, which Saisons are supposed to be uh, a little crisp. Uh, and I asked Teddy, if he, uh, Teddy, is, did you put any spices in this dish? And he's like, no, the Hennepin takes care of all the spices. <laughs> and uh, we have spices such as uh, grains of paradise, uh, coriander, sweet orange peel. And the, the real signature spice of Hennepin is ginger, which gives it a real nice snap. Uh, it gives a little bit different. We also use corn, a little bit of corn, about 10% of our extract comes from corn, and that's fairly common in Saison styles to use corn or wheat or some sort of extract uh, other than just barley malt. Um, All right. So it looks like Teddy's moving along here. Yeah, it looks like they're talking to me. I don't know if you guys can hear this without burning myself. That's kind of cool, isn't it? I think I did burn myself a little bit. All right, so I was talking about before, balancing ingredients, balancing ingredients. Uh, right now, I'm going to add in some shallots. Uh, some people usually use onions or red onions. Uh, I find shallots a lot more mild. They're not too pungent, and they really add that great... I, I, hate, to say, not, I hate to say it, but I love a little bit of an onion flavor in the dish. So we're going to add just some shallots, not too much in this one. And we're going to start incorporating everything together. 
the bacon, whoop. The bacon's starting to stick to the bottom of the pan, but one of the things that the Omegang uh, says, uh, oh, Hennepin's going to do, is all these little pieces that are sticking to the pan, it's going to actually lift them up and add them to the flavor of this amazing broth. Yeah, we actually pair Hennepin fairly frequently with seafood, such as it's done here. The, 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 the hot, little bit higher bitterness, the crispness of the beer, uh, and the alcohol level works to cut some of the oils and some of the seafoods. Uh, another beer that goes great with mussels, and we have uh, featured recipes at the brewery, is Rare Voss. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with that beer. It's uh, a little bit darker, has some caramel malts, a little bit sweet, sweeter. And that works really nice with the mussels also. All right. So now our bacon and uh, shallots have gotten to know one another. I don't think anything bad went on. Uh, I think they're still friends. So we're going to start out. We're going to add now into the mussels. Uh, usually people will take a broth and then dump mussels in it and close them up and steam them. Uh, I like to do them a different way. We're going to just saute them and saute them and keep on tossing them. That way all those flavors are going to marry together and it's going to just make a wonderful, well-balanced dish that every bite tastes exactly the same. All right, so usually ah, usually at the restaurant I work at shorter tables, uh, so it's a little difficult. Maybe I should be doing that, Teddy. <laughs> so we're going to add in probably about two pounds of mussels, two and a half pounds to each of these. Uh, normal serving at the restaurant will do one and a quarter pounds. And uh, if you guys noticed on your seats, you had some recipe cards. All these ingredients can be purchased at a grocery store. But the one thing you got to worry about is what I'm about to talk about now, the mussels. Um, lots of times, uh, mussels are harvested two ways. They either, you harvest them out of the sand and out of the ground. Hold on one second. And I forgot I have a microphone so I can walk away and woo. So I can do this. <laughs> uh... No, but these mussels are actually rope-grown. Uh, what that means is that these, the mussels are harvested on a rope that is just suspended on a buoy in the water. And what that does is it allows the ocean water to flow through it. The mussels will open up and absorb and eat all those wonderful vitamins and minerals, whatever the ocean provides to you. So when you do find mussels in the grocery store, ask for uh, rope-grown mussels. They're a little bit more expensive, but you know like you get that, that nasty, sandy taste in mussels usually turns you off? These shouldn't have much of that at all, just because of the way they are harvested. All righty, put the mussels down. Now, uh, one of the things I love about the, uh, the hennepin is that, that little, that orange flavor to it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna add in the juice of a lemon. I know, orange, lemon, whatever. Uh, it's not apples and oranges, people. It's lemons, it's citrus. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna add in the juice of the lemon to kind of bring out, and, uh, bring out that orange flavor of the hennepin and hopefully not get any seeds. And we're not going to use too much. Like I, said, whew, like I said, it's all about balance. You don't want to really overpower with anything. So you don't want the citrus to overpower. You don't want that smoke from the bacon to overpower. All right. I think I'm going to just... Can everybody smell this? Yeah, I wish we had smells. There's got to be something invented that you can get smell to, to go like houses and people's houses, like smell-o-vision. Yeah, smells very good. All right, so now... We are adding the hennepin. The mussels are thirsty. The mussels are thirsty. Remember, we're here to get the mussels drunk. All right. Now, again, like I was talking about, balance. Um, the blue cheese that I'm going to use is uh, Hook's Blue Cheese from Wisconsin. Again, it's a very mild blue. And what we're going to do is we're going to melt half the blue cheese into the sauce to start. And then we're going to finish it with blue cheese. So you're actually making a blue cheese sauce and then finishing with the chunks of the blue cheese also. So if you don't like blue cheese, I am very sorry, but you will like this. 
All right. So who here are muscle fans? You guys eat a lot of muscles? Any uh, West Coast people here? Any East Coast? Okay, we can actually have a football game. I think we have enough people on both sides. Anybody here Jets fans? Woo! <laughs> All right, so, break again. The burners are working a little slower than I expected, but uh, we'll get these out to you in a little bit. So right now, what's happening, can you see on the screens? Cool. Uh, the blue cheese is going to sit in there in that broth. It's going to start melting in it. going to make a creamy, delicious broth. It's going to really get that bacon fat flavor, the shallot flavor, and the lemon juice and the hennepin all working together in order to open these mussels. Now, another thing about cooking mussels, if you are going to cook them at home, there are two stages. That is a fully open mussel. This is a half-stage mussel. It basically needs to cook for a couple more seconds. And if you watch that one, hopefully it'll open. It'll be really cool. Let's go, second stage. And if this doesn't work, um, you just got to believe me. I've cooked uh, lots of these. We go through about 1,400 pounds of mussels a week at, our, at my restaurant. We have four burners, and that's it. Uh, we also go through about 2,000 pounds of potatoes for fries. Uh, and again, we have one fry cutter and two uh, fryers. We only seat 90 people, too. So it's a little nuts over there. But if you do get a chance to get to D.C., please try it out. It's a great experience. That was cool. Let me try I hate to be working next. This table's going to be a mess. All right. Want to go on to that? <laughs> if it cooked faster, the timing would be on point. All right. These are actually done. So what I'm going to do is taste the broth a little bit. Now... Can I taste that, Teddy? Absolutely. When you cook with mussels, a very important thing to remember is that there's a lot of uh, like salt, the seawater, the ocean water salt coming out of the mussels. It's all briny. So you want to taste it before you season it. A lot of people just throw salt in. Okay, my salt is from the bacon and the brine of the mussels, so that's going to be the only salt we're going to add in here. If you do like salt and you're that type of person, cool, add it in. I'm not, I'm not opposed. So, hey, guys. We're going to start bringing in the cooked mussels if you guys want to bring them back to start plating them up. And while we're up here, we'd love to field any questions you guys might have on cooking with, uh, mus- cooking with beer or on the hennepin beer. Or on a burial or hennepin. Or- uh, let's cook with beer. Um, I do a braised lamb shoulder that I use. Um, I use Allagash Curio. Um, and actually, uh, brine, not brine it, but I, uh, why am I? Marinate it for about two or three days. And what's great about uh, beers such as that, when you have uh, a great sweetness from that bourbon, uh, and from the bourbon casks, and you also had that sugar from the alcohol. It actually takes the muscle fibers in the meat when you marinate it and kind of makes it porous like a sponge. So when you cook the meat, it cooks faster and it retains its, its, uh, its juiciness. I guess that's what it does. Right. It tenderizes it, right? Pretty much tenderizes it, yeah. But it also helps it cook faster and better. All right, we got that when we get started. I'm going to try and split these in two so we can cook them faster for you all. Yeah, th- that's interesting. I mean... My, my thought when, when formulating a beer is primarily for the beer, because I'd I love to have beer paired with food, but I also like to be, drink beer by itself. So it's an interesting, it would be like a challenge for me to, to, to formulate something to uh, go with a specific dish. But to date, I formulate beers basically that would go with a good, a good dish or to be, you know, enjoyed alone. Um, 
Well, but that's I, interesting, uh, I interesting think it's a, thought. I think it's a good concept for the smaller, smaller brew pubs that, you know, they only put out maybe, you know, 50 barrels a year or something like that to definitely brew a beer just specifically for a dish. Um, I know Victory does an awesome job at uh, using a lot of their beers at their brew pub. And some of them are made, I, I think, I don't know if it's specifically for uh, food, but they work really well with them as well. Yeah, I mean, that's something, obviously, like with a brew pub, you have a, a brewery, a small brewery, and a kitchen associated. I think it makes a lot of sense because you can work closely. We're hopefully going to be putting a kitchen up in uh, Cooperstown at the brewery site within the next year or so. So that may be something we do more of, actually pairing that's, with food. That's awesome. You know, I'm really liking, though, lately. I mean, we all know that wine had its day. I'm sorry. It had its day. They got a movie. We had a movie first. I mean, we had Strange Brew. They didn't. And what's really cool right now, and I love that question, is that cooking with beer and pairing beer with food is, in my opinion, almost it's almost better to pair food with beer. There's more options. There's so many more varieties of beer. There's so many more intricacies of beer than, you know, than there is of wine. I'm not saying that it's Gates versus Wine people here. I still love wine. Love drinking it. Uh, except in college, that white Zinfandel in the box, that was a bad mistake. Uh, but other than that, I really love the fact that beer is taking this role now in food. So, Yeah, my experience is I, I did a, uh, a seminar during Philly Beer Week, and we have a staff sommelier, and we did a beer and wine dinner where with we'll each course we paired wine and beer. And it was very interesting. I mean, I thought, from my perspective, on some dishes, wine was clearly the winner. On some dishes, I thought beer was the winner. Uh, so I think really? they each have their place, and uh, and some work better than others in certain situations, I think. How do you select the beers that you did you serve in your restaurant? Do you have a particular criteria that you apply for the beers that you serve in your restaurant? I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, what type of, do you have a certain selection of beers that you serve in your restaurant that you choose for certain criteria? Or Actually, we do. Um, I have a, a gastro pub that has a healthy Belgian fetish. Uh, we wouldn't call ourselves a Belgian gastropub. I'm not a Belgian chef. I'm not classically trained in anything except for microwave cooking. Um, but uh, we select only Belgian beers or Belgian style, American Belgian style beers. Uh, we do have at any point in time, though, what we call our uh, shifty. I'm a hophead. So every once in a while, I, I make sure that we have a really nice, one really good, nice hoppy beer by the bottle that you have to ask for. But that's about it. Um, a couple of the other restaurants, one of the ones I have, we all do only American craft brews. So it all, it all depends, I guess, on the setting and, you know, what you're going to do. Good question. All right, more bacon. Has anybody had a chance to start eating them yet? Is anybody getting sick? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Are there any kind of, like, cooking styles or preparations that you wouldn't want to use because of scorching the sugars in the beer or something, like it's you know, an int- Q or something like well, that? Well, I mean, that's, you basically have to treat the beer like, I mean, it's, it's a food ingredient. You've got to treat it like everything else. You've got to understand the components of it. If you know it's a, a huge, uh, you know, like a roasted malty beer that's going to have a sweet, sweet taste to it, and the sugars are really nicely caramelized, as soon as you hit that pan, they're going to start to uh, burn even more. Um, but I have done some really cool reductions with porters and stouts and made caramel sauces out of them by adding a little bit more sugar to it. Um, but yeah, that's basically you just got to understand. Like, it's like cooking anything. You got to understand your ingredients. And if you don't understand the components of that beer, then, you know, just go online. 
All right. Teddy, I got to ask you, do you cook, uh, do you do any dishes with any other Oma Gang beers? Uh, we have used, like I said, the Rivas. Um, but we just started getting the Belgian style, American Belgian styles in, so I haven't had uh, much fun to, or had enough time to have fun with those yet. I appreciate that. <laughs> but we will be getting them in and have them rotating on tap, so. Uh, Two-part question, sorry. Well, I was uh, like speed cooking. About the fries, because uh, we're not getting any fries, which is okay. And in Belgium, of course, they, they twice fry them. Yep. So if we're cooking at home, though, and we don't even have a fryer to do them once, A, is there a good way to do them that you would recommend? And B, have you tried fries with any beer? Ah, oh, wow, the secret. Um, if you, are you saying we ha- you, have a, you have a fryer, right? No, you don't have a fryer. Okay. You have a candy thermometer and a stock pot. Uh, you get about, I'd say, a couple nice quarts of peanut oil. Peanut oil, if you guys aren't allergic to it, use it. It's more really flavorful. It's got a really good smoke point. Smoke point means the temperature whoop, at which it burns. Uh, and then you basically, I'm going to give away a couple secrets here. We have award-winning fries. We have uh, people lined up just for these fries. So what I do is I blanch them first. You cut them, soak them overnight for at least 24 hours. Potatoes are really, really cool. When you cut them and soak them, they actually expand in size. And that expansion is going to allow for that first time cooking, for the steam to get in there, to the oil to get in there. So when you go ahead and do it the second time, they make it crisp on the outside and pillowy on the inside. So first thing you do, soak them overnight. Uh, second, blanch them at low temperature, anywhere between like 250 and you know 275 for about four minutes. Have to cool them overnight. You have to make sure they're 100% cooled off. And then fry them again the next day at a higher temperature, 360, 375. You can't beat it. And then, of course, serve some mayonnaise with them, maybe a little truffle oil, some nice fine herbs, and sea salt. Oh, all right, muscle time. How are we doing on muscles? Half the room have muscles? All right, not bad. Doesn't suck. Woohoo! You know, that's a great motto that I have. I try not to suck. Uh, didn't quite work in the Food Network, but, uh, you know... S happens. But I did get to beat Bobby Flay, and that was fun. Yes, I'm a Flay Slayer. All right, so we got our muscles working with the shallots and the bacon again. Hit it with the hennepin. Look at that, so we can get... All right, we'll try and do two more batches of this. Any more questions from the crowd? Maybe we'll walk around a little bit, maybe make it easier. All right, Phil's going to take the mic. Dr. Phil, working it. Here we go. Oh, thank you. I just had one question. Can you recommend any vegetarian dishes that you do with beer? Usually so much of the cooking with beer is with meat dishes, but what about some vegetarian ideas? That's a really good question. Vegetarian dishes with beer. Um, uh, again, I like, I, I like to treat vegetables a lot like the same way as meat, like marinating, uh, maybe like portobello mushrooms or tofu in some uh, really nice porter or a nice sweet beer. Um, I, I'm, I'm going through my brain of like all the different things I've cooked. I usually use beer as almost like a finishing. Uh, instead of using wine, instead of using lemon juice, instead of using chicken stock, I mean vegetable stock. Uh, see, they booed me too. Uh, <laughs> here we go. But no, I mean, you can basically use it uh, soups. A great example. Um, if, even if you do a nice soup like a, um, a tomka, a Thai coconut soup, instead of using chicken stock, instead of using fish sauce, get like a really nice lager. Uh, something that's going to have a, a bold taste to it that's not going um, to die out once you add all the other ingredients into it. 
So, yeah, I really got a thumbs up. Yeah. I would think some darker beers might go great with like a tomato-based uh, sauce. Like our Abbey Ale, a little sweetness to it, residual sweetness. Uh, might go well with something like that. I mean, actually, that's a good point. If you use a, a, like a, a really rich, sweet porter and you basically reduce it until it's got that, that uh, viscosity of a, a, a sauce, you can use that like as a drizzle on top of a sandwich, on top of anything, as a salad dressing component. So, okay, I don't know what's going on with this guy over here. It's on. It's cranking. I see a blue flame. Absolutely. So uh, I know uh, you know a lot of ingredients ingredients go very well with beer, but uh, how do you feel about tomatoes and beer? Have you been uh, challenged with that? And do you have any ideas about what might work well with uh, like a tomato dish or something based off that? Absolutely. Um, I actually make a. Uh, this is now. Now I'm coming back to the recipes for the vegetarians. Uh, I make a uh, tomato cream soup that I use. Uh, I use. I'm not going to say names. I use a uh, a a great a nice hoppy pale ale. Uh, Cascade hops. I love that floral uh, smell of it. It actually really works well in a tomato soup. As far as raw tomatoes are concerned, again, using the reductions of the ports of the like you know something that's stout um, really works well. That coffee and chocolate sounds weird, but when you reduce it, add in that sugar, it works well with tomatoes, mozzarella. Throwing a little basil to all of it, it really could work out well. All right. So again, we're melting that blue cheese into the sauce, and the mussels are well, they're trying to cook. Let's see this one. All right, we got any more questions? What techniques have you used whenever you're boiling down beers to make a sauce? If they get too hoppy, what things do you do to counteract that? Okay, when you're boiling down beers to make a sauce, I made one with a wit and I boiled it down and it got really hoppy. What type of things do you add to it to counteract the hoppiness? Um, that's a great question. When uh, a, a thing that I found works best, sugar. Uh, sugar will kind of cut through that hoppiness. Uh, the sweet, if you guys know about like the sweet, if you have a sweet dish, a great uh, hoppy beer can cut right through it, but it can also balance it out as well. Any, uh, God, this is going to open up a can of worms. Anybody have any questions about the Food Network? I think everybody's just hungry. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad nobody has questions about that. <laughs> so those who have had the mussels, I apologize to you in the back. Uh, do you guys taste that balance? The way, like, you have a little bit of the citrus, a little bit of that blue cheese. The bacon kind of comes through with the smokiness. Very cool. Now, also, if you're not provided with any forks and knives, there's a cool way to eat mussels. First, you take one of them out. Now you have little... Uh, it looks like Pac-Man a little bit, but it's actually great for... Taking your mussels, getting the bacon, dipping it, mm. eating it. <clears throat> Have you ever tried baking with um, brewing yeast as opposed to baking yeast? Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I can't hear from back here. Have you ever tried baking with brewing yeast as opposed to baking yeast? No, not yet. But that's a cool question. I was actually really inspired today. I got a, a wonderful opportunity to go to the media luncheon today. And they talked about all sorts of cool stuff, everything from how beer is now playing a more significant role in media, um, how to write about beer, how to write about the different types of beer, how they came about. I mean, does anybody really know the story of an IPA, the real story? There's so many of them out there. But if you go to, um, got to remember the name of her book, uh, her uh, magazine. Um, she's here today. Her name is Julie. She has a magazine. Darn it, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but anyway, they have an article this month that gives the true story. I mean, I always thought that it was the British 
over hopping the beer to get it to, uh, around to the, the spice, India, India around the island? I don't know. See, uh, I'm going to stop talking about that. I cook. Uh, but no, but what I am going to do, uh, after that, that, that luncheon today, after tasting uh, the, the different ingredients of the beer, the malt, the, malt, the, the, the barley, the, the, uh, the hops, I'm going to create a beer dinner based around just those ingredients, the components of the beer, not necessarily a beer in particular. Uh, like taking the Cascade hops, reducing it in some, uh, maybe something a little acidic, a lemon juice and water, and then marinating it in some fish in it and making a ceviche with Cascade hops. Uh, maybe taking some of the chocolate, uh, malt, the chocolate uh, malt, yeah. and uh, crushing it up, coating our lamb with it, and like doing a you know a, a, a nice seared lamb dish with it. Like so that's definitely going to come out. But I love that cooking with the ingredients of the beers, pretty freaking cool. All right, we're going to get another round. It looks like. Yeah, here and Teddy talk about uh, searching for balance and food. That's something we strive for our brewery Omegang. Uh, we like well balanced, well blended beers. Whereas sometimes the spicing, you don't pick up necessarily an individual spice, but a synergistic effect of the different spices coming together. I think that's what can make for a more interesting, uh, complex beer. All right. Round three. We'll go one more time on this. And then I'm just going to start handing out free bacon. See? That's all you got to say. It's like you answer that word. It's like, oh, yeah, bacon, wow! I love those commercials with the dog, the bacon strips. It's like, bacon! Kind of feel the same way. I mean, being a dog and... Uh, yes, uh, you have uh, two... Uh, you work with uh, the Belgian side and the American side of the uh, brewing spectrum. And I was wondering if uh, when you're creating new products, whether or not you have any uh, you know, clashes between that, uh, the two different uh, styles and thought processes uh, or whether it's all very, uh, very clean and uh, you know, throughout the whole organization, just right on. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean... Uh, Belgium doesn't really they let us brew what we want to brew pretty much if we think it's going to taste good and it's going to sell uh, and all of our beers are Belgian inspired and Belgian influenced uh, next year we're going to embark on a pretty extensive uh, innovation program coming out with uh, with some new beers uh, we got some barrels at the brewery we're starting to wood age some stuff so they're all, you know, our parent company's all for it. They're, they're fully behind us, and uh, we're going forward. So it should be, uh, should be a lot of fun and come out with some interesting beers. All right. So, again, we're going to be tossing this all around. As you can see, instead of just having that bacon chalice in the bottom, it's coating the muscles. The fat from the bacon's coating the muscles. Everybody's happy. You know, it's been so long since I've been doing this. <laughs> My arm's getting hard, man. Now, what do you guys think about the blue cheese? Anybody here not a fan of blue cheese that's kind of like, wait a second, this ain't half bad? Or they're just like, ugh. <laughs> blue oh, yeah. I mean, there's a, um, actually my um, one muscle that we're doing now at the restaurant is called a Mediterranean muscle, and I'm actually using feta uh, in that also. And it works great, really sharp. I need a little bit of that beer right in there. But More usually, tra- traditionally, seafood isn't really paired with cheese. So that's kind of one of those things when people are like, you're doing what with what? So it's, it's come around. It's worked out well for us. See, isn't that that's crazy? Great, yeah. Great combination. I mean, 
Hennepin is our most carbonated beer. It's about eight grams per liter. In American terms, that'd be about four volumes, which is very high for a beer. And it kind of lifts the carbonation, helps lift the oils, as well as the crispness of the beer cutting through. So if you guys do have it, well, you guys do have this. <laughs> After this is over, we're going to be also, uh, not we, but uh, Omagang, Omagang is going to be uh, actually sampling out this blue cheese with their beer. So yeah, can, we have some at our booth now. Yeah. So we'll be passing that around. And like I said, I'll pass around the bacon. All right. Here we go. <laughs> all right, we got bacon. Anybody bacon? All right, bacon. We're all friends. We're all friends. You know what I was actually thinking about? Instead of putting, like, peanuts at a bar, if I just did a lot of freaking bacon, just put out bacon on top of the bar. There we go. Uh, let me, yeah, probably more sanitary if I had something like a tong. Yeah, it is. Applewood smoked bacon. Actually, what we do uh, at a... Uh, at our place, I couldn't unfortunately get it done for here, uh, is I have a, a hog farmer, and he, uh, he get, we buy hogs, and then him and I have worked out a recipe for curing and smoking the bacon. We actually do a, gr- a dry cure uh, for two weeks in just salt, uh, black pepper, uh, a little brown sugar, and that's it. Bacon fans, bacon fans, all right, all right, all right. Ladies first. And uh, so I wish I could have brought mine. that bacon with me, but unfortunately... Uh, we couldn't produce enough of it to ship over here. Wow, this is the funniest thing. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> whoa, 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 Megan. <laughs> Thank you. So some Absolutely. of you people going to stay here through all these food presentations? It'll be a pretty good meal. Yeah, we're going to go down the rows now, too. All right, in front of me, okay. I got to run out back up on that stage. And... Anyone want to take over Bacon Patrol? Oh, 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 sorry. Cool. There we go. We got Bacon Patrol. She's on it. Thank you very much. All right, so we're going to play a game. Who here is from the furthest out of town? Anybody here starting off from Europe? Uh, nah, anybody? Oh, oh, two? No? Oh. Saturn. We have an intergalactic uh, event. Great. Somebody call the X-Files. Or somebody get that gentleman another beer. <laughs> so, Teddy, do you serve this dish as a, uh, a main course or an appetizer at your restaurant? Uh, it's a main course. We actually have uh, five different varieties of mussels. Uh, and this is definitely a little bit of a variation on the one that we do at the restaurant. At the restaurant, we also add in a little spinach for color. And, uh, and we use, yeah, you know, but that's about the only difference, pretty much. Anybody here now from D.C.? Oh, very cool. Um, not only did I do the... Well, not only. But, um, I don't know if you guys... Wait a second, but we did DC Beer Week this year. Uh, my buddy Jeff Wells and I decided to... That DC is slowly becoming a beer town, a beer destination. So out of, we you know, kind of challenged each other. All right, let's see how many breweries and restaurants we can get together and do an event. And basically within two weeks, we had 20 restaurants, 10 breweries, and we had... 20 official events and probably about 50 total events in the city that week. So if you guys, any city that you guys are from, get on your restaurants, get on your beer purveyors, get them to do beer weeks, get them to celebrate not only beer, but beer and food, uh, the, the brewing process, the stories behind the beer. There's so much that, than just the beer itself. The, I mean, you probably have a wonder, you know, how did the Hennepin come about? It was just, uh, like I say, one of the, I think it was the second beer to be uh, brewed at Alma Gang, and it was just uh, the brewmaster at the time, Bert DeWitt, was a Belgian guy, and uh, 
it was his take on a traditional saison with uh, the little omegang twist, some different spices and so forth. And uh, so it's based on a very traditional style. Now, how did the farmhouse saison come about? Was that like? Well, the I mean, it's the real history is kind of lost in uh, uh. the midst of time. But I mean, uh, at one time, a lot of the beers in Belgium were br- produced in farmhouse breweries, and uh, people would produce in the cooler months, as all the brewing was done back then. Uh, and they brewed this beer as kind of a provision beer uh, to serve to the farm help in the summertime. So they wanted something that was not too high in alcohol, so everybody just wanted to take a nap after uh, eating lunch. But it was sustenance. It, it was a refreshing beer. It uh, gave them some energy, and uh, that's how a lot of those styles came about out of necessity. Very cool. Anybody here home brewers? Nice. Nice. Now, has anybody done a home-brewed lager? Really? Damn, that is impressive. I, uh, I, I tried to, to, to brew beer, and I got as far as opening the box. I just, I was like, you've got, there's buckets, there's tubes, there's what? And uh, I originally had a Mr. Beer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I had it in college, and we made the nastiest ever. Uh, we drank it, though, uh, because, well, it was beer. But... I finally got one of those like semi-professional home brewing kits for my birthday. I was all excited. I opened it up and I'm like, that's eh, too complicated. But I will get into it eventually. I will. But that's what I leave the brew to these guys. All right. We're seconds away from muscle heaven. All right. So everybody's got? Everybody's had? No? Ah! It's like a beer cry. I'm going to add a little bit more of the hennepin. Now, make sure you get a bite. When you get your good bites, get a bite with everything in it. The shallots, the mussel, the cheese. Now, something also interesting about mussels, I'm going to share my mussel knowledge because I don't have any real beer knowledge. Uh, But the best time to buy mussels are from September through May. June, July, and August, mussels tend to be slimier, smaller in their shell. It's actually their... uh, their whoopee season, I guess you call, I don't want to say anything bad. Their mating season, I could say that, mating, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they really mate. I mean, they excrete liquid. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> wow, that was just the start of something I gladly stopped. Are these from the D.C. area, Teddy? Are the, What's that? These, were these harvested in the waters off D.C.? or were these? Um, no, actually, the D.C. mussels have about six or seven mussels inside of one shell. They're really creepy. Um, now, these are actually from Prince Edward Island. Um, right off, you know, in British Columbia uh, from a fishery called Icy Blue. Uh, it's a fishery that I got to know about eight, uh, about eight years ago. And they, for me, produce, I know exactly when the mussel season's the, at its peak, when it's not. Uh, they always have some of the biggest, plumpest, greatest mussels. So, yeah, it's from Prince Edward Island. All right. I think after these two, we should have fed the house. All right, how are we doing on this? We good? All right, just for fun, we're going to do one more. Uh, bacon lady, where's she at? You got the bacon still, or is it all gone? Aha. All right. So I'm going to add a little extra bacon fat in this one, so if anybody's a big fan, now's your shot. Now, does everybody also have the beer with them? And you got... Does everybody... Oh, we can start doing that a little bit. Do we have any more pictures back there of the beer? 
Oh, this gets better. Here it is. Look at that. That's how you make a crowd happy. All right, guys. Well, thank you very, very much for coming out here. Uh, if you guys have any more questions, Phil and I will be here for a little while longer. Um, but enjoy the beer festival. And again, thank you guys for coming out. Thank you all for having me, being patient, and uh, eat more muscles, drink more beer. But don't get beer muscles. That leads to bad things. Let's say a big thank you for Chef Teddy Falkman and for our brewmaster, Phil Leinard. And thank you all for coming. There's another show coming up, so stick around and become great ambassadors of beer. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. The theme music is Money or Time from The Lights Out. Email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash jeffbear and twitter.com slash gmwise. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Money or time, but you never get-